episode number eight. That's right. The format of this is we answer listener questions and mostly my questions, and David responds to them off the cuff. We respond to them. Well, we yeah. And we're doing it a little bit differently this time. Uh, we will actually timestamp the questions. So as we go through, Allison will talk about what the questions are uh, at the start. And then as we answer them, I'll make sure that when I post it to YouTube, you can actually find the clips that are about whatever you're specifically interested in. If you don't want to look at us, this is also available as a podcast. But we did put on clean shirts just for this video. So. Well, we're matching. Isn't that cute? He's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here are the top five questions. Um, let's talk about Cardi B's new song. And um, do you think it helps liberate women sexually? Okay. It's called WAP. Or WAP. I'm not exactly sure. Okay. I'm looking forward to you telling them what it means. Wet. <laughs> We have to blank that out for you, too. Keep okay. Going. How do we stop people from stealing your light? This is question number two. Okay. Question number three is identify energy vampires and what to do about them. Question number four is what are annoying habits of other couples that irritate you the most? <laughs> and question number five is what is the best relationship advice you've ever gotten? Let's do it. All right. So we'll start now with WAP or WAP or however you pronounce that. I don't know. I'm uncomfortable saying it. I really hope you bleep it out. <laughs> I, I will. All right. So, so Cardi B has a song, which I actually, if you've heard the song, I think the song is good. It's Billboard Top 100. It is, uh, it is I mean, the media is over the top about how it is doing a great job of, um, you know, being sex positive for women, right? Like she's owning her femininity. What do you think? Did you watch, have you watched the video? I watched the video, I didn't, I mean like, I, it's hard for me to be like, oh this was really liberating when like the chorus in the background you hear is it's, there's some whores up in here, there's some whores up in here. And I'm like, is, is that what we want? Uh, like. Is that sex positive? Because whores have um, been used to demean women. That that term whore is is a demeaning term. And so, like, I'm struggling with being like, oh, this was, this really helps with sex positivity. Okay, can I play devil's advocate? Okay. It is, first of all, nothing that was said in that video was any different than what her you know, the, her male counterparts sing about in their video. And there's not nearly the level of hoopla around them speaking that way. Like her, vid her video wasn't any more, or the content there wasn't any more grotesque or intense than what, you know. But to me, it's like the equivalent of calling someone a B-I-T-C-H. Like it's not a nice term to, like a whore is not a nice term to call somebody. And it's, and it's through generations and it has been used to demean women. But isn't she, by her owning it, by her taking that term and by her profiting off of it, and by her essentially acknowledging in the song 
that she likes to be that way and that she benefits from that and that men should serve her, right? The video is, or the, the, the song is about how she wants men to fulfill her needs. She is now in the assertive position. She's no longer being uh, mistreated, right? She's not, she's not being uh, the man's object. The man is now the object. What do you think? I mean, I, I don't, I, I feel like I, it's a generational gap for me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. Like it is that, and I do like that aspect of it, but it just seems like it misses the boat by like going back again to the demeaning of women. You feel like she's like, I'm glad that she felt comfortable, like dancing the way she wanted to dance and like wearing what she wanted to wear. I do think that was positive and talking about her needs sexually, but I can't get past, um, the whore terminology, the whores up in here. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty, if you haven't watched the video, you should watch the video. It's pretty, I mean, it's a pretty intense video on, on YouTube. And I do think the song, I mean, the song is catchy. Uh, so I'll play the devil's advocate and say that there's, I, I understand why she's getting praised for the sex positivity. On the other side of it, 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 here's what I'd say is, to me it doesn't seem like it really is sex positive in the way that the media is saying that it is. I don't think that it really is good for women. I still think that she is objectifying herself and objectifying the people around her. Um, and I don't know that she would really represent that that song or the content in that song really uh, is good for women as a whole. Certainly it allows, she is demonstrating that she can talk about sex just like men can, and I think that that piece of it should be praised. Um, but it is a weird thing that our media is elevating that song and elevating Cardi B uh, as though she has really broken boundaries, and I don't mean, this is not Amelia Earhart. Do you, you know what I mean? Like the, it, this is, I think we have to have some perspective around what did she really accomplish. And I think what she really accomplished was duplicating um, what a lot of people would say is kind of gratuitous sexuality by male yeah. musicians. Like I don't, know, I don't know why it's, you know, I don't know why it's that powerful. I wouldn't say it's a revolutionary yeah. song. I didn't feel empowered after I listened to it. No. No. I so. Is that, I mean, yeah, it, w it wasn't like, it wasn't a pump me up song for me. It's not, it's not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into some deeper questions. Um, how do you stop people from stealing your light or being a dream crusher? So this was your, this is your question. Mm -hmm. So say more about what you mean. Why did you ask that question? What do you mean? What do you, what's the context for it? Well, I feel like there's people in the world that, um, like, you, no matter what you do, they, they always have a reason why you shouldn't do it. Or, like, you come, you're excited about an idea, and they always have to, like, dim your, they try to dim it. Mm -hmm. Am I that for you? What? <laughs> no. I don't want to be a dream pressure, but sometimes I find myself I being. I like, sometimes I feel like you. I think you do. Uh, you're a good uh, reality tester for me. But am because I I'll a light dream, dimmer? No, you're not a light dimmer. You're like, you're like, hey, David, you got to pay for the electricity to make that light go on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really good quote by 
I don't know who the quote is by. I heard it from Casey, ne Casey Neistat, and I don't know if it's actually his quote or not. Um, but it's something like, don't let the people that are, don't let the people saying it can't be done get in the way of the people that are actually doing it. And I think it's a really good quote because the people oftentimes in your life that will tell you that you can't do something or that you shouldn't do something or that what you're doing is stupid are people that have not done what you're trying to do. So if you think about it, for example, if it's like we're trying, trying to start this YouTube channel, we're starting, trying to start this mm -hmm. podcast, the people that will look at this and say, this is a waste of time, are all people that have not started podcasts or done a YouTube channel. Versus if you went and looked at people that have actually started successful podcasts or successful YouTube channels, they'll probably say, hey, be consistent, right? They'll mm -hmm. give some advice that validates what you're doing versus the naysayers, they're always the ones that haven't done it. They're never the ones that are in the arena. They're right. always the peanut gallery. Yeah, they're the fans that are <laughs> judging. They're not actually there. Yeah. And so, why, in their opinion, shouldn't really matter that much. Yeah, I guess that's the next piece of it is how do you stop them from stealing your light or how do you stop them from dissuading you? Um, I, think, I think the answer is to take perspective. Like, do you really care what those people think? Today, I decided to tell anyone that I felt was dimming my light that they were dimming my light. <laughs> How does that go? Have you done that? Did you? Did anybody receive that from you today? Did you? My mom did. Your mom did. <laughs> I do feel like, not in my case, but I do feel like for a lot of people, family dims the light. Yeah. They have good intentions, right? They want Their the best for are... you. They want the best for you. They want to protect you from risk. But family can be, the, it's the judgment you care most about, and they are the most worried about you, so they will always sort of, or frequently they'll default to the more conservative yeah. side of things. And I don't think they want to see you hurt. Yeah. So it's like a way for them to protect you from failure, but really you have to fail, Yeah. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So maybe when I'm dimming your light, you can think of that in a positive way. You don't dim my light. I, I, I swear, you, <laughs> you do not dim my light. I do think that you are, I, I don't think that you have, and I hope I have never told you no about some pursuit. No. And you've mm -hmm. never, you've never, I do think that you say like, hey, maybe, maybe let's pay for one thing at a time in your, because I can be a little bit intense. So she will, uh, I think you're good at setting like milestones. Oh, I like milestones. If, by the way, if it was up to me, the video quality would here be a lot better, the sound quality would be better, the lighting would be better, and my editing would be, but we, I mean, we have to get a new mortgage, but we would be, this video would be a banger. But we're waiting, we're patient, right? <laughs> okay, so along the same lines, how do you identify a energy vampire, and what do you do about it? <laughs> I feel like there's a tone to your question. Is there someone that you're dealing with now? I, first of all, I love the term energy vampire. Vampire. I, there was a woman I worked with that was so negative. Like, you, you would talk to her and then you would instantly feel like, like low energy after. Like, everything was bad. Every, the world, the sky was constantly falling. You know, so you mm -hmm. could you you would meet her in a really good mood, and you'd leave being like, "Yeah." But the difference between the energy vampire and the person that's stealing your light, I think there's a big difference mm -hmm. between those two people. The person who's stealing your light is intentionally saying, "Stop that," 
right? Versus the energy vampire, I think, is saying, care for me, right? Mm -hmm. or, or, or worry about me, or my life is, my life sucks right now, so I need support, right? They're, they're energy vampires because they are sucking all the energy, they need the energy. They have like a tad of narcissism. I don't like think a, they have a, nar they, a little touch. No, I don't think so. <laughs> they're just, I think they're probably less happy people. Yeah. Right? They're not trying to be selfish. They're just less happy, and so they need the support. And I think it goes back to what we talked about in one of these videos a while ago, is you want to surround yourself by people that give you energy. Like, to me, the key is you should be constantly auditing that circle and to make sure that you feel good after you leave interactions with your friends. If you're leaving interactions with your friends and you ask yourself, am I happy that I had that conversation? If the answer is consistently no, maybe find a new friend. You know what I mean? You want to be, yeah. you should be curating that so that you are constantly being Like motivated. uplifted and yeah. excited and yeah, I mean, I think we talked about gossip, but I feel like gossip can be an energy suck. Mm -hmm. And also, um, just like talking about energy in general, because how do you have energy all the time? You, I feel like every day you have to monitor what gives you energy. And I mean, that's diet, that's caffeine intake, that's exercise. And so, yeah, and the people in your lives. Yeah, there's another piece of this, which is, and I guess it wasn't a specific question, but I do think that there is a quality to, uh, 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 there's often a quality to happy people, which is they're very intentional about how they structure their life. They're intentional in how they eat, they're intentional in how they exercise, how they approach work, how they approach their relationships, how they approach their friend group, right? All of those things, they structure that world so that it supports them. And if you think about, just as a side note, if you think about what a therapist does, a big part of what a therapist does certainly is listens and sort of helps with the way people think. And another big part of it is helping the client uh, get a, a, um, an environment around them, cultivate a world around them that is supportive and creates happiness or reduces anxiety. And so you, you should be doing that yourself, be thinking about, well, what are all the things around me that are energy vampires? And it may not just be people, it could be the fact that you're up late watching TV or not, you know, not exercising or eating like crap or all those things can be energy vampires. Van yeah. I keep calling van vampire. Vampire. And I feel like that's a topic that we should really dig into is energy. I think we could do a lot on that. I want more of it. You want more? Okay. <laughs> we'll double down. <laughs> We're past my bedtime right now. This is an energy suck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... This is a really fun question and I'm so curious about your answer. What are annoying habits of other couples? Um, what are annoying habits of other couples that irritate you the most? Okay, I'll do one and then you do one. Okay. But I feel like it's gonna be the same one. No, I don't think so. Uh, I think the one that bothers me like, irritates is the wrong word, but I, I am uninterested on social media when couples post, like, you know, we've been together for 10 years and our relationship has never been better, and this is sort of this Pollyanna picture of their relationship that I know is bullshit. Those, <laughs> those sort of, you know, this, you know, we couldn't, this couldn't be better, this sort of over the top. Want to I, turn, like I just want to turn that off, sorry. It's professional podcasting. 
<laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, it's like when I don't feel like it's sincere. It's the same thing. It's like what bothered me so much about Rachel Hollis when we started this whole thing was that she was over the top about her relationship. Yeah. And it's like it didn't, it wasn't, there wasn't no. truth behind it. They were like I, I making out on the reg, y'all. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was, it's like too much. Yeah. That is irritating. And it's not authentic, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, I do feel like Instagram is not super authentic anyway. It's not, you don't get a good, I mean, for me, that's the hardest part about social media is everyone is having more fun than me. Yeah. Wait, what's your, what's your, what's your, give me a habit that, of couples that you uh, are annoyed by. I think it's the same thing, but in real life. So, like, I'm totally annoyed when people aren't authentic about their relationship. And so, they'll be like, oh, he's so hot. He's so great. He's so hot. And I've been... It's just like... Wait, you don't say that to like... I've had, I mean, I, I thought, always... I assume that was sort of a big part of what you said to others. I, I mean, I do. Good. I yeah. do, but I find it irritating at the same time. Yeah, they do it like <laughs> me, yeah. Okay, I have more things that irritate me okay. that couples do. Okay. I don't like it when it feels like a... And this is, I guess, not a couple. This is just a sort of a personal uh, dynamic that I don't like. And this comes from you, which is the rule is in, in social interactions, you should be either interesting or interested. And it's hard when you're having like a interaction with a new person or with a new couple um, and they are neither interesting in, as far as their willingness to talk transparently about what's going on in their life uh, or interested in learning about what's going on in your life. And so you sit there and you sort of, you know, the, the sort of the default thing is we talk about our kids, which becomes to me boring. It is so boring. Yeah. Why? <laughs> baby There's, food, that's your diapers. Food. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I also don't like when, um, like, couples openly have, like, a tit-for-tat relationship. I think that irritates me, too. Do you think it's because I'm jealous of that? Because you want a tit-for-tat relationship? I don't know. I think it's a bad idea. I can tell you that when I used to do couples counseling, I, the idea of um, the idea of constantly, you know, saying, you know, I did, you know, I did the dishes and I made dinner, so mm-hmm. therefore you have to put the kids down, right? Constantly, you know, you're turning your relationship into a, you know, a gigantic ledger. I think is a bad way to go about it. And sometimes when relationships are really bad off. I mean, I have recommended that they record who's doing what because there's so much conflict around it. But it really, I think, if you can, you want to avoid that kind of relationship because it, it becomes about work done versus your actual connection. But then we get into the emotional burden of women. And sometimes they really need that ledger, you know? Yeah, I think... This is a hard... This yeah. is our topic. What are others some annoying habits that they have? Do the, the one do the last one? Um, oh, what is the best relationship advice you've ever gotten? Do you want to go first? I'm not ready. Is your question not ready? (laughs) Um, I think the best relationship advice that I ever got, probably I didn't receive from like a family friend or anyone, but was, was from John Gottman, who has suggested that John Gottman is a very famous, uh, therapist, psychologist, he um, 
he has a lab in at the University of Washington, or now it's outside of the University of Washington, but it's a it's called the Love Lab. Well, he will bring in couples and they will live inside of this lab for a weekend, um, and he has been able to predict, I believe, with ninety six or ninety seven percent accuracy, whether or not a couple will be together seven years after coming to this lab. He can watch their behavior and identify key interaction styles uh, and be able to say that's not going to work and that is going to work. One of the things he says is that the conflict you have in a relationship, the, the conflicts you have are often the same conflicts. 60 to 70% of the conflicts you have, they just happen again and again and again. So when you marry someone, what you're really doing is it's less about do you love them and think that they're great or that you're attracted to them. It's really about can you tolerate that issue, whatever that conflict is, over and over and over again. And to him, the ability to navigate that friction in a positive way really is what makes a relationship work, or it's a key component of it. So going into my relationship with you, we're thinking about our, you know, whenever we have conflict, thinking about it like this is the part of us that we're always gonna have to deal with, and being comfortable, like, you're not gonna just resolve it and never have a conflict, never have a fight in a relationship. So I thought that's, I think it's an excellent way to view it. I don't want to yeah. fight about the same thing over and over again. Though. Then just, you should just change. <laughs> you should change. <laughs> it's your it's, fault. It's, I know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, wait, you're trying to move on. What's the, what's your, you have to have one. What's the best relationship advice that you got? Um, I think the best relationship advice I've gotten is, um, well, it's just, it's so sad, but like really wanting, it's sad because their relationship is over, which to me, like almost negates the advice, but I think it's good. Like being intentional about your relationship and saying like, I want an exceptional, Rachel and Dave Paulus, I want an oh. exceptional relationship. And so like, it's a goal. I'm going to work towards that every day. Yeah. That's good advice. Like setting the standard that you want your relationship to be great versus you know uh just being a partnership to get your kids out yeah of like your dad's <laughs> the david's dad's at the pinnacle not, of my, my life my think it was this. so funny the pinnacle of my life is marrying your son my son you married my son and like i hope that's not the pinnacle of my life so i hope that every year gets better than the last year and i think that is the best advice is that like you want every year to be better. You don't want the best part of your relationship when you were 19 years old. We, David and I met when we were 19, at 19. I would hope that now, 20 years later, that wasn't the best part of our relationship. Well, dad, you, you, you made it to the video. <laughs> all right, I think that's all we have, right? Yep, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>